So we are continuing the series that we're going through the summer. We're going through the Gospel of Luke, and, and as we know, in summer, everybody's kind of all over the place and on trips and schedules and things. And so, uh, again, if you miss a message in Luke, or uh, even if you don't, but I encourage you to read along in your Bible as we work through the Gospel of Luke. We're covering two chapters a Sunday. And uh, again, last week as I was gone, again, thank you for those who are praying for us. I had a good time on our trip. Went to my 20-year high school reunion, which was a very interesting experience. Um, 20 years does, does different things to different people, but um, it, it was a good time there. But uh, with that, as we know, and even with, and again, Don did a great job taking you through chapters uh, 9 and 10. But with that, as we're not able to cover every story, everything that is, it is in the gospel as we go through the summer, um, so I encourage you to read along yourself and read through them. And also some of the, the stories and, and lessons that I don't, we don't have time to cover here on Sunday morning um, are covered in the discussion questions that are available for you. Uh, for every sermon follow-up, we've got questions, so you can pick those up uh, at the Info Center or be connected with one of our groups that's going through those this summer uh, as well. So with uh, chapters 11 and 12, as I'm reading through that, preparing you know, realizing, again, there's so much in these chapters, so many stories, so many directions we could go in. Um, but as I was reading through it, realized that um, there was um, a, a couple topics that kept raising to the top through these stories. And as Jesus interacted with different people, uh, you know, through the, and did these different miracles and had these conversations, there were two topics that really rose to the surface in these two chapters. And these are topics that are are, were very relevant then. Obviously, Jesus spent lots of time talking about them and interacting with them, and they're just as relevant today. And these are two topics. Um, the, the topics are hypocrisy and money. Right now, hypocrisy and money, these are, these are topics, again, that are, are, were very relevant then, very relevant today. About, as I think about that, if you were asked to people in our culture, and still even, even in our American culture, is a lot of people do not go to church. In fact, you know, the, again, our culture has shifted uh, you know, to where it's not a given that people go to church. And, and if you ask why they don't go to church, these two topics will come up. They, in fact, probably, I think, number one reason why we don't go to church is because the church is just full of hypocrites. They, when we think about that idea, right, is they're right. The church is full of hypocrites, right, because we are all fall short of God's glory, right? And, and the, the truth is that, yes, our church is full of hypocrites, right? Every church is full of hypocrites because, again, we are fallen and we're sinful and we're not, you know, holy like God is holy. And, and when you, now, of course, our goal, right, as followers of Jesus is that we're more like Christ tomorrow than we are today, which means we're less of a hypocrite tomorrow than we are today, right? And that's the hope, but the truth is, is that our, our churches are made up of hypocrites because we're all sinners, right? And we will all let somebody down at some point. We, someday we'll say something that we don't follow through with. Right? And in that, so again, when you think about that excuse, right, you realize, like, yeah, you're right, but again, I love this sign, and I, I saw it, and this church is not full of hypocrites. There's room for more. <laughs> yeah, and again, as you look around, there, there, there are empty chairs, right? There's room for more. Yeah, and, and yes, we, but again, we are all fall short of God's glory, right? We are all hypocrites at some point in our life, right? And, and as you think about that, again, this excuse that we don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites is, is think if we applied that to other areas of our life. Right? Like, I don't go to the gym because there's out-of-shape people there. Right? Well, of course there are. That's what the gym is for. Right? Of course there are hypocrites in the church, because that's what church is for, is to help us be less like hypocrites, right, as we journey towards Christ. 
Okay, now, with that said, again, the other topic, right, is money. Now, you know, as you think about money, okay, realizing that, um, you know, again, money is a topic, right, that comes up a lot because it's in the Bible a lot, right? God talked about money a lot all throughout Scripture, not just in the New Testament in there, and, and Jesus talks about money in these chapters. And so we're going to go there, but again, the, the other excuse, other than hypocrites, right, is that well, the church just wants my money. That's every time I go there, they're just asking for donations or money or all these things. Like, that's just what they want, right? And now, again, I'll tell you, our budget, right, the mo- our money comes from your donations. Okay, again, we, we passed the plate earlier in the service. I mean, that's what funds our church, and, and that is true. Okay, and, and so, but again, with that said, right, is that, again, I, I hope that you don't feel like we always just ask for money because, again, we try not to do that. Okay, but, you know, as we think about that, that idea, right, think, as, and again, I saw this uh, that I thought was really funny, right? Look, look at all the money I saved by not going to church. Okay, now, the, the thing about this, again, this is kind of funny because we feel like, you know, well, oh, they're always asking for money. But the truth, like the hard truth, right, is flipping back to proxy, is that, that uh, honestly, a very small percentage of people that go to church actually donate. Okay, and so, you know, again, with that said, that's probably not true for a lot of people. Now, Again, if, if we're going to look at money and, and jump in it because God talks about money. And so, again, if we're going to teach the Bible, we got to go there. Okay? And, and, but yet, again, it's very relevant in our time, right? Hypocrisy and money. Right? These, these are topics um, that are very prevalent in our culture and that people think about us as following Jesus. Right? They're part of it. So, and, and Jesus goes there. Now, when he goes there, um, as we think about these two topics, is his teaching all of this is centered on this one verse that's right in the middle of our passages for this morning, and that is in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, where he says this. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Okay, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. As Jesus presents this, okay, is, again, we're going to present this, he presents this concept that we need to understand. Okay, whether it's about hypocrisy or money or any topic in our, in our life, we need to understand this concept. Where your treasure is, our desires of your heart will be. Okay, on your outline, I encourage you to circle the word treasure okay, and circle the word heart. Treasure and heart. Heart and treasure. As you see, these two things are very, very deeply connected. In fact, that was Jesus' point, right? Because where your treasure is, that will dictate where your heart is, okay? But where your heart is will also dictate where your treasure lies. Heart and treasure, treasure and heart. One deeply affects the other. One can sabotage the other. But also one can purify the other. Heart and treasure. These things are connected, right? Where our treasure is will affect our heart, and where our heart is will affect where our treasure goes. And the cycle will continue in our life. And Jesus, again, is is teaching us this concept, right? That these are the core of, of especially these two topics of hypocrisy and money, treasure and heart, heart and treasure. They're deeply connected. Now, as we, as we look at these two topics, and we got to keep this concept in mind, okay, as we look at all these things about hypocrisy and about money and everything we're going to study today, remember, heart and treasure, treasure and heart, these are deeply connected. So we're going to start today 
um, as Jesus dives into hypocrisy, and he kind of gives this, this intro into this topic of hypocrisy in Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 33. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Luke chapter 11. We're going to pick up in verse 33. If you don't have your own Bible with you, there are Bibles available for you in the seat pockets, and you'll notice on the outline are the page numbers of where you can find these passages in that Bible. And so I invite you to open with me. We're going to uh, start in today at Luke chapter 11, verse 33, where it says, No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body, and when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is bad, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you're filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Now, I want to pause there. Like I said, this is kind of Jesus' intro explanation of hypocrisy before he go, dies a little deeper into it. Now, I, um, he's here. He's teaching this to a broad. He makes these, these statements about light and darkness and, and all these things. Now, all throughout Scripture, okay, this, this analogy of light and darkness is used to describe good and evil. Okay, God is, is holy and good and light, right, and evil is darkness. Okay, now, as Jesus makes, again, this this these teachings and observations about light and dark, and he's teaching a spiritual matter here, then these Pharisees and religious leaders hear this teaching and say, hey, like Jesus is, is causing quite a stir. He's got these, these spiritual things, and so they invite him over for dinner. Okay, now as we've already seen in Luke, right, is that Jesus shared meals with a lot of people. Okay, and we've all been to those dinner parties, right, and you sit down and there's conversation that happens around the table. Okay, now, now Jesus, again, is is sitting down with these Pharisees and these religious leaders of the day, and, and as the conversation starts moving around the table, um, Jesus starts teaching them and pointing out their own hypocrisy. Now, again, I don't know about you, but this is the kind of that I'm not sure I would invite back. Right here, Jesus sits down, and this, now th this is how Jesus opens the conversation at dinner with these guys, right, is in uh, Luke Chapter 11, verse 39, and he says, Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Again, you're like, great, I, I feed you. You know, I see coming into my, I feed you, and now this is, this is the conversation. You're gonna, right? You're going to call me greed, full of greed and wickedness, right? The, the, now, what Jesus does here, again, he's, he's adding on to the, to the end of this, this teaching about light and dark, Right, and then he, he, he opens the dinner conversation with this statement. And in this statement, right, Jesus defines for us what real hypocrisy is. Okay, Jesus defines hypocrisy of when the outside and the inside don't match. Okay, and that's what hypocrisy is. And so again, he, he lays out this definition, and then he goes into this conversation with these guys around the table, pointing out about how hypocritical they really are. Again, not the guest that you would probably invite back. Right? As he does this, again, he points out um, some of the teachings, again, that he reflected in this passage we already read. But he points out um, to these guys and to us about how much hypocrisy is a matter of the heart. Right? It goes to the core of who you are. Right? And he tells these, these, these Pharisees, he's like, again, the outside looks great. 
for you guys. I mean, you go through the rituals, you do all these things. Like the outside is awesome, and you, you put a lot of, of effort into that, and yet the inside does not match, right? It, it's dirty, it's filthy, it needs to be cleaned out. Okay, and he's telling him, he's like, you gotta pay more attention to your heart and not just your treasure. Okay, and, and he goes into this, though, and describes to them, right, about, again, how, how much of, of hypocrites they really are, and, and, and goes into that and shows us and them of what can cause hypocrisy in our life. Right, he's expanding on this, this, this teaching he already gave us about light and dark. And so the first thing, though, we see is that hypocrisy can be caused by an improper perspective. Okay, even caused by an improper perspective. Again, we have, we have these different views, right, of things in our life, and we all have these opinions, and, and we can go back and forth, and sometimes they're, they're about kind of, kind of silly things. Like, literally, earlier today, I was talking with, with our sound guy, and we were coming back through, and, and we got about an iPhone versus an Android phone, right? And, and again, he's like, well, look at the problem. I'm like, well, I know the real problem. It's not an iPhone, right? And he's like, well, it's a, right, that's a matter of perspective. But yeah, we can talk back and forth, right? But sometimes our perspective is completely wrong, right? And, and which means sometimes we can be a hypocrite and not even know we're a hypocrite, right? Because if we just don't see that about ourselves, right? Everybody else can see it, but, but maybe we don't see it about ourselves. Right? Again, Jesus tells us and, and teaches this again about his teaching of light and darkness in verse 35. He says, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Right, that, that's a heavy teaching. Right, that means, right, that something I think is actually good might not actually be good. Right, and, and, and if, it, if it's not actually good, right, then I think I'm going down the right path, and yet I might be going exactly the opposite direction that God wants me to go in. Right, and so therefore I, I am a hypocrite just because I'm going the wrong way, but I don't know that I'm going the wrong way until it's pointed out. Because I think, you know, I have light when it might actually be darkness, right? And Jesus is telling you, he's like, you got to start again with your perspective. Do you have the right perspective, right? Because that can cause hypocrisy in our life. Again, most people don't wake up to the day and be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to see how hypocritical I can be today. You know, most of us, again, now there are people that wake up and be like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a thief and, and I'm going to be a thief and I'm, you know, but I'm not going to tell anybody that because therefore I can wouldn't be a successful thief, right? So again, there are people, right, that are evil that are going to do that, but most people aren't, right? Where most of us are hypocrites by accident. Okay, make sure that what you think is light is actually light. Okay, next, what can cause hypocrisy in our life is partial obedience. Partial obedience. Okay, now again, we all know what this is, right? When we know what we're supposed to do, right, and we do some of it just to make ourselves feel better. Right, but we don't follow through with it all the way, right? We don't do it all the way. Or, or again, our culture centers around the fact that people do what they can get away with. Right? And, and, and so much, so many times, again, we know what we're supposed to do, and we do it. We just toe the line just enough to get us by, right? And we, we do most of it or some of it, right? but not all the way. Again, if, if, if you've been around kids, you know what partial obedience is. But hey, don't do that. And then they kind of do something really close to it. And it's like, well, but technically, you didn't say, I don't know, maybe it's just my kids I have that conversation with. I don't know. Is that the, <laughs> no? Okay. We know what partial obedience is, right? right? And, and, and we, we see this, and yet it causes that hypocrisy in your life. In Luke 
11.36, right? If you are filled with light, no, no, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though floodlight were filling with light. Again, I encourage you to underline that phrase, no dark corners. Why does Jesus need to point that out to us? Because a lot of us have dark corners in our life, right? We, we follow Jesus so far, right? In, in the, the big areas, right, is like we let God work on, but there's those things we hold back, right, that are still in the shadows, right? And, and Jesus is saying, guys, don't, don't leave those there, right? Let, let my light into every nook and cranny of your heart because where your heart is is going to dictate your treasure, right? And, and if you have dark corners in your heart, then you're going to continue down this hypocritical road. Hey, not only do we see, again, partial obedience, right? And then after he leaves this, this dinner party, and, and again, I can imagine at this point, these Pharisees, like Jesus is one of those guests when you're like, man, is they ever going to leave? Like, oh, I got to go. Right? He finally leaves, right? They're, they're, they're glad probably that Jesus leaves his dinner party. And then he turns to his disciples, and he gives us this last thing that can cause hypocrisy in our lives, and that is the influence of others. Okay, after he leaves his dinner party, he turns to his disciples. Okay, and Jesus turns to his disciples and he warns them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. Again, Jesus uses this illustration of yeast. Again, we know what yeast does, right? You put yeast into dough, right? And it takes just a little bit of yeast and then, then that yeast is what causes that dough to rise, right? But that yeast, just a little bit is enough because it permeates and goes through all of the dough, right? And, and it... it, it expands and it, it gets into every again every little crevice right every part of it right which which makes the dough rise and again that's a good thing but he's saying hey the yeast right gets into every part of it and and guess what you become what you hang around okay because the people you're around influence you especially those that you let into your life especially the ones closest to your heart okay and if again if you hang out with a whole bunch of sinners all the time and those are the ones that your closest people, and you, then they will influence you. Hey, you become what you hang around. And, and Jesus says, hey, these guys, right, they're, they're very hypocritical. Don't let it permeate into your heart. And so how do we counteract hypocrisy in our life? Okay, well, Jesus, again, it's not just doom and gloom. Jesus gives us the way out. I mean, he gives us hope, right? And the hope, right, is that what, how do we counteract it in our life? Well, we counteract it with truth. We counteract hypocrisy with truth because truth is what changes your heart. Okay, because the truth is the light you think is light might not actually be light, right? The truth is maybe you only have partial obedience. Maybe there are people influencing your life that shouldn't have that much influence in your life. And, and truth shines into all of that, right? And says, this is how we counteract hypocrisy. Right? In Luke 12, two through three, Jesus says, the time is coming when everything that's covered up will be revealed and all that is secret will be, will be made known to all. Whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you've whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Again, as we think about that idea, right, is now, again, if you're truth, right, then you have nothing to hide. If you're not, if you're not a hypocrite, then this does not matter to you, right? But if you are a hypocrite, this is very bad news. 
right? If the outside and the inside don't match, right? If Jesus is saying, well, you know what? Eventually, everybody will see what's really in your heart. Right? Like I said, this is either an encouraging passage or a very discouraging passage. Right? How do we counteract hypocrisy in our life? It's with truth. Because the truth will be known. The truth will come out. That's exactly what Jesus said. And guess what? Truth lived out in our life is integrity. Truth lived out is integrity. And a person of integrity is not a hypocrite. Right? And a person who is a hypocrite lacks integrity. How do we counteract hypocrisy? We counteract it with truth. Right? As now as we think that, now um, after this teaching, he kind of talks with all the disciples. Then um, the topic gets switched here in this when a guy comes up to Jesus Right, and as, as they're walking out and comes up to Jesus in chapter 12, verse 13. And that's where we're going to pick up. So I invite you to read with me Luke chapter 12, verse 13. It says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? And then he said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Okay, now this, this small interaction Jesus has with this guy, again, is uh, now switches the tide, right, in these stories to this next topic, and that's the topic of money. Because this guy's like, hey, Jesus, I need your help, right? I, I need you to, to, to get my brother to follow through and to divide the state and give me some money and all these things, right? And now Jesus comes back and is like, you know what, that, that's really none of my business. Okay, now, um, Early on in my life, um, I, I got some really, really good advice from somebody. Hey, they told me, whenever money is involved, people get weird. Hey, they said, that's really good advice. Hey, just to know, whenever money is involved, people get weird. Hey, now here, this guy comes to Jesus and says, asks this very weird request. Right, hey, will you deal with my family dysfunction, please? Because it's centered around money. Right? And Jesus says, you know, I'm not going to step into that. Like, that's for you guys to figure out. But Jesus does give them a warning. Right? Jesus says, figure out your stuff. Okay, but here's the warning. And the warning he gives this guy is in verse 15. Right? When he says, beware. Guard against every kind of greed because life is not measured by how much you own. Now, this verse, again, this is my opinion. Okay, this verse should be plastered all over the place in our culture. Okay, because, again, especially in our American culture, is we are completely defined by how much we owe. Okay, and, and again, Jesus says life isn't measured by that, right? And so guard against every kind of greed. And so in this warning, again, Jesus defines for us, right, um, the, what the real issue when it comes to money. Okay, and the real issue when it comes to money is greed. It's not, it's not dollar signs at all. Right, because our treasure is led by our heart. And so, uh, again, the real issue with our treasure is actually with our heart, right? And Jesus says it's not about the actual treasure at all. It's about your heart and the greed that's in your heart, right? Now, now as we see, again, this definition, as Jesus gives it to us, right, we see that, again, when we talk about money in Scripture, and, again, Scripture talks about money all the time, right, it's not actually about the money, right? It's about your heart. 
Because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Okay? And as we see that, again, Jesus says, you know, it's not about money at all. It's actually it's about your attitude about money. Right? And then um, notice he also points out that there's more than one kind of greed. Right? Notice what's his warning. He says to guard against every kind of greed. That means there's more than one kind. Right, we need to be, again, on alert within our, 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 our minds and our hearts right, as we journey towards Christ is saying, what kind of greed do I have to be careful of today? Right, because the one I conquered yesterday might, might not be the one I need to conquer today. Right, there's more than one kind of greed. Now, um, when it comes to money, then Jesus goes into this teaching in the following verses okay, and, and teaches us about money some things we must remember. The first one is this. When it comes to money, we must remember that God is our provider. Okay, God is our provider. Again, God owns everything. He's the one that created it. Okay, is, uh, he owns cattle on a thousand hills. Okay, which means anything that I have, anything that you have, anything that anybody has is actually God's. Okay, God created it. It's his. Okay, which also means if he's our provider, that means that he's the authority when it comes to that stuff. Okay, and again, we sang it in our worship set today, right? He gives and he takes away. Okay, and God has the authority to do that because he's God and we're not. Right? And God is our provider. Everything we have comes from God. Right? And again, it's not necessarily about our treasure, but it's also about our heart. Right? And, and as we think about that, again, that's why God would take away, right? Because God cares more about our heart than he does about our treasure. Okay, and, and, and so, again, would he give? Yes. Will he take away? He has the authority to, if it's deeply affecting our heart, right? Which goes back to the warning that Jesus gives, right? It's not about money at all. It's about our heart because God's our provider. Notice in 1231, Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Again, he's expounding, right, on this, this teaching, right? Is if, if your heart is right, then your treasure will take care of itself. Right? And the more that God provides and, and, and meets the needs in your life, right, the more, more your treasure is taken care of, which the more it affects your heart. Right? And the cycle continues right, in a positive direction. Right? As we realize that, right, that God is our provider, right, it, again, it changes my whole perspective. Right? Because if everything I have is God's, right, then again, God is a very generous God. Right? And, and as we read, again, he's, he is our provider. Everything is his. Right? And, but then that also, with the, what he provides, comes with the next thing we need to remember, and that is that God expects us to manage what he gives us well. Okay, he provides those things in our lives, and then yet he also expects us to take care of his stuff. Okay, in fact, again, this is a concept that's all throughout Scripture Right, that if you manage it well, God will give you more. And if you don't manage it well, even what you have will be taken away. Right, you give and you take away. Right, why would God take away treasure? Well, because your heart is what he really cares about. And heart and treasure are deeply connected. Right, when we think about that and, and think about the, how do we manage money God's way? How do we manage it well? You know, again, in our church, we've taught a class several times. We're going to be teaching it again. It's called Financial Peace University. It's all about how you manage money God's way. Okay, the very core of that teaching, okay, is that there are, again, biblically speaking, there are three things we're supposed to do with money. Okay, we're supposed to save it. We're supposed to spend it. 
and we're supposed to give it. Okay, the, everything we do with money falls into one of those three categories. Hey, okay, now that's the core of the teaching, the concept of Financial Peace University. In fact, they have, a, a, it's called Financial Peace Junior with little kids. Like literally, as you start to teach kids how to manage money God's way, it literally starts with three jars. Okay, and the labels on the three jars is spend, save, and give. Okay, now when we think about those, those three categories, right, is there supposed to be a healthy balance between those three? We are supposed to do all three of them, right? And yet most people tend to overdo one and ignore the other two. Okay, now we all know which one we're all really good at overdoing, right? The spending one is what we, we're all really good at overdoing, right? And if we overdo the spending one, then we ignore the giving, we ignore the saving. Right, again, in our, in our culture in America, right, is that's why everybody's running in, in a deficit, right, in debt, is because we spend more than we make. Okay, and which also then means that we, we give very little and we save very little in, in America. Okay, in fact, it, we're last in those categories among the world economy. Okay, and when you think about that, again, in, with that, now, now, again, you can overdo one of the other ones too, right? Again, we can, you can overdo saving and not spend enough or not give enough, right? And one of the other two, right? We call those people stingy, <laughs> right? Now, again, now, um, and it's very, I would say, rare, but there are people that you could overdo giving too, right? You could give away everything you have, right, and not even have enough to, to meet your own needs. And again, Scripture says that we're supposed to take care of our own families first, right? Again, Scripture tells us that. I mean, we have to spend, right? We, we, have, to, we have to save. Okay, so again, there should be a balance between those three. Okay, now when it comes to handling money God's way, the math doesn't work. Okay, I'll just tell you that right off the bat. Okay, when it comes to managing money God's way, math doesn't work. Yeah, I can tell you so many stories in my own life and others that I know of, right, that, that the math doesn't work if you manage it God's way. Because if I give away some of what God gives me, then I shouldn't have more but I do. The math doesn't work, right? It doesn't make sense. And when you sit down and try, try to analyze, like, how can this, I just say, well, it's just because God did it. Like, it's okay. The math doesn't have to work because God did it. Okay, and, and, but if we are giving what God tells us to give, if we're saving, if we're spending, the math won't make sense, right? Because then, and the more the math doesn't make sense, the more it transforms my heart on Christ, and reminds me of who actually provides my life, right? And, and the more than that, right, the more it affects my heart, the more that I want to focus my treasure on God and his kingdom, right? And the more that I manage it well, right, the more that God will give it. Okay, it again, it, there, there is accountability that comes with what God gives us to manage. Okay, in Luke 12, 43, it says, if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. Again, the, the master, right? Who's the master? Well, God, it's all his, right? He's our provider, right? And if he, what he gives us, he expects us to manage well. Okay, and if we manage it well, right, there is a reward. Right, and if we don't, right, God will, will work on our heart. Right, and, and again, if we manage it well, God is there. So what counteracts greed? I mean, that's the warning, right? It's not about dollars at all, right? It's about greed. And so how do we counteract greed in our life? Well, Jesus tells us that too in this passage, and we counteract it with generosity. We counteract greed with generosity. 
because generosity will change your treasure. Right? It moves your treasure. The more you give it away, right, the more it moves it from myself, right, to, to God and his kingdom and his purpose. Right? Generosity. And again, when handling money God's way, the math doesn't work. And it just even speaking to the math, and I know within scripture, right, tithe is a 10%. And it gives, again, if you give 10% back to where you're being spiritually fed, that's what scripture teaches to do. Right? And now, again, if, now, again, I think even that 10% is a, is, a, is a guideline. It's a starting point of what God expects us to do. Right? And again, why, what's, there's nothing magical about 10%, but again, God knows our heart. Right? And God knows how much it takes to keep our heart right. And that was his direction he gave in the Old Testament. So again, I think that's a good guideline, right, about saying, like, well, how much am I supposed to give? How much am I supposed to save, right? Well, we start there, right? And because generosity will change our heart, right? In Luke 12, 33, Jesus says this. He says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Again, how do we counteract greed in our life? Well, we, we, we become generous. Right? Generosity, we give some of it away. Right? And the more we give away, that affects our heart. Right? And the more it changes our heart, the more it changes our treasure, where our treasure is not here on earth at all. Right? He says it will be in heaven. I said that's where your treasure belongs. And the more treasure you put in heaven, the more it affects your heart. And the cycle continues. As you think about all of these things, Right, these three categories, giving, saving, and spending. Right, out of the three, giving is the one that Jesus challenges us on the most within Scripture. Because you are the most like Christ when you give. Again, you cannot be more Christ-like than when you give because Christ gave everything. And again, for Christ, it wasn't about money. If you again, study the life of Christ, he was not rich. Right? Again, it wasn't about money at all. Right? But Jesus gave, literally gave everything. He gave his life right, so that we could be saved. Right? And Christ gave because God is a generous God. Right? And he gives us the example. Again, our destination is Jesus Christ. Right? We want to be more like Christ tomorrow than we are today. And we're more like Christ when we give because Christ gave everything so we could live. Right, with that said, um, again, giving is the most powerful thing when it comes to transforming your heart. And again, not just about giving money. It doesn't have to be money, but you can give, again, just a lifestyle of giving. Right, giving your time, giving your expertise, right, and giving your money. Right, they're all included. So is hypocrisy or is money affecting my journey? As I said, they're very relevant topics today. Right, hypocrisy and money. Are they affecting my journey in Christ? And are they holding me back, right, from becoming, moving forward in my faith journey? So I have just a couple of concluding thoughts. Number one is I journey forward by following through. I journey forward by following through. Again, we all have good intentions. We can say we're going to do something, but following through is what makes the inside match the outside. And if the inside matches the outside, then we are people of integrity. Right? And that's, again, part, a very important part of our spiritual journey, right? as we develop integrity into our life. Right? If I journey forward by following through, 
Okay, Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Again, this, the context of this, right, there was, a, again, a lady in the crowd who was just like, you know, blessed is your mother for she, you know, gave birth to the Messiah. And this was Jesus' response. Right? Yes, she is blessed, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Right? Do what it says. Follow through. Right? Follow through. Again, we journey forward when we follow through. And the more you follow through, the more it clears out any hypocrisy that is in your life. Right? And then as we think about following through, also I journey forward by keeping God in front of everything else. Again, is Jesus Christ truly the destination of my journey? Is that what I'm journeying toward? Right? Or is it something else? Is God the number one thing in my life? Is God the point of my life? Or is it my wealth? Right? Or is it something else? Right? Is God the reason I'm living, that I'm getting up in the morning? Is Christ the destination of my journey? Luke 12, 21 says, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be labeled a fool. Right? And as we think about that, though, is realizing here, again, Jesus does not say that you're a fool if you have wealth. Right, that's not what he says. Right, he says you're a fool if you have wealth and not have a relationship with God. And again, wealth is given all throughout Scripture as a reward for managing God's stuff well. Okay, God would not give us a, a wealth as a reward if it was bad or we shouldn't have it as followers of Jesus, right? That's not what he's saying. He's like, as long as your heart is right, right, then your treasure will be in the right place. Yeah, heart and treasure. Hypocrisy and money. Very relevant today. But they all center on the verse, Luke 12, 34. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Treasure and heart. Heart and treasure. One deeply affects the other. One can sabotage the other. And one can purify the other. Heart and treasure. Treasure and heart. Which brings me then to my final thought this morning. And that is this. Growth comes when your heart is focused on God and your treasure is stored in heaven. So what step of faith do you need to take and follow through? I hope you'll follow through. Whatever step God's leading you to take today, again, I have no idea what that step is, but I bet you do. Okay, so if you want to journey forward in your faith, take that step. Maybe that step is joining the journey, receiving Christ as your Savior. Right, that's a big step, join the journey. I hope you do that today. You just have to pray, receive him, right? Confess with your mouth, receive him in your heart, add vitamin in your life, right? Join the journey. Maybe whatever that next step is for, take it. Lord God, we thank you so much, God, that you have revealed yourself to us. God, that you're a God that loves us and guides our life, God, because you care so much about our heart. And God, you care about our treasure. And God, I pray that as we leave here today, God, that you will give us the strength and the courage to follow through with what you're leading us to do. God, that your light will be so strong in our hearts. God, that it will, it will take out any dark corners 
God, there will be no darkness in us at all so that as we live our life this week, God, people will see your light through our lives. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, God, to follow through and to share with those this week your light and your truth. God, as we leave today, Lord, help us to journey forward in our faith. God, continue to, to mold our hearts, God, to change our treasure, God, so that it's all for your glory. Guide us as we go.